Hey, it's the Feeling Family Podcast, a place where feelings are felt, stories are shared, and you are valid. With hosts Kylie and Sierra, you will dive deep into people's life stories and experiences facing each emotion along the way. From happiness to sadness, pain, joy, anger, hope, and everything in between, every feeling is important and we hope to prove it. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Feeling Family. Hey, Feeling Family, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. We're so excited to have you here again. (laughs) It's going to be uh, another good episode. We're definitely looking forward to it. Um, Today, we we have something super fun planned for you, and we're going to start talking about that pretty soon. This week was actually, I really wanted, okay, I wanted to quickly say that we had a cool promotion this week celebrating my daughter Miller's birthday party. Well, not just her party, that was weird. <laughs> her actual birthday. She turned one years old. That's so crazy. It's absolutely insane. crazy. It's, it is insane. Fastest like, year ever. Really, I cannot believe that she's already one. You've been a mother for a whole year. It blows my mind. It's weird that like now she has like on my snapchat memories are popping up and i'm like oh she was so tiny and now we're celebrating her first birthday but it was really fun seeing everybody come together and like everybody that absolutely loves her come celebrate who she is and it was fun to be able to like promote the feeling company and we used her we did not use her. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. Me neither. I, I wasn't. I didn't know what I was going for there. You were able but to it was... celebrate her and like include celebrating her into the pot, like into yeah. the company. Like well, it was I... fun to be able to combine both your company yes. and your daughter. Yes, exactly. And I think that it's like a lot of people don't really know that the feeling company even has baby and toddler and kid clothes, and so I was like this will be a good opportunity to share some of that with the world. So it was really fun. Today, we actually have a guest who was at the party with us. (laughs) He's a good good time. He is a good time. He's he's actually one of my really good friends. And it is so funny because he was saying like about seven months ago, I don't know when he saw like a picture or like a video of Miller, I would like Snapchat him all the time of Miller. And he like, Loki became her number one fan. It's like I love Miller, and so hopefully we're not like embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's awesome, and we're super excited for him to be on the podcast. And we are grateful that he came to the birthday party and gave her an awesome gift. He gave her a snowboard, which I think is so cool. Anyways, um, Parker, we will let you talk now. So if you would like to introduce yourself, that would be great. Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, my name is Parker Jayton. Um, I'm 22. I'm a student down at Utah Valley University. I'm getting my degree in history. Uh, I want to go to law school. That's the reason for the history degree. I take the LSAT this year. So that's um, basically all I've been doing for every single day this semester is just studying for that. Um, Love snowboarding, art, climbing, just all sorts of stuff. Um, Me and Sarah have been good friends for about four years now we met back in 2018 that's Um, so crazy yes that's gone fast oh yeah no for sure we yeah we met in fall of 2018 on our missions 
our LDS missions in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And we've been good friends ever since. You you have anything to say about that? (laughs) I don't know. It's just so Were you two friends on the mission? Like really good friends? Or did you become friends after? I feel like we became closer more after, but that's only because of the opportunity to become more friends. We did not serve around each other a whole time. Oh, okay. Um, but like every time I saw him at like meetings, I'm like, Elder Jayden! <laughs> Get excited. <laughs> so it was good. But I didn't see him like a whole ton on the mission. No, nah, no. Nah, it was just, I, I think our first like three months, we were in the same yes. zone, district. And then after that, the sporadically first, but it was always a good time to see you for sure the first like few months we that's the only way we survived our missions <laughs> because it was so hard at first like so many new adjustments and so then like i'd see him at least once a week and i'd be like this is hard <laughs> wait so what, did he were you out there we came out at the same time you did yes we i knew the, that you were in the yeah. mtc together yes i knew that okay yes 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 Yep, yep, yep. And then we went out and we served in around the same area. Okay. And so, yeah, then I didn't see him a whole ton after that. But then it was crazy because I got home from my mission, found out that he was living close. And so then we just started hanging out. It's a good time. Sounds like a good time. I don't really know Parker very well at all, (laughs) really. I feel like I do because I feel like Sierra has been friends with him so long that I've known his name forever. So I'm excited to like figure out more about his story, what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, I'm excited to like, honestly, Parker, I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited. Like, it's so interesting because like knowing you for four years and like hearing little bits and pieces of your life and hearing parts of your story has been fascinating to me that I'm like, Parker would be so cool to have on the podcast. And then I thought about it. I was like, well, what's he going to share? I'm like, I don't know. So like, I don't know, I guess you can explain your story the way that you would want. You can even talk about like, if you want to focus on anything specifically and I don't know, give a rundown. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's, I, I've been, I've been thinking about this obviously told me about a week ago. Um, and I've been listening to your podcasts, all of them and kind of figuring Woo-hoo! out <laughs> yes. what I wanted to, what I want to talk about. Cause it's, you know, such a great platform you guys have and such a good message. Um, so oh, I thank you. Screw it up. Um, <laughs> you'll do great i know it thank you um something I, when in some of your podcasts you've asked the people you know where their story starts right yes. um and I th- I, that's a great question right and for me i feel like it doesn't start with me um so a little bit about me i am the oldest child in my family um and for most of my life i was raised in a pretty abusive household right um and that affected me in a lot of ways i came to realize later in life but um the re the reason i say my story doesn't really start with me is because in these abusive relationships it's it's cyclical right so my my story starts with my dad i would say he um he had a really hard hard time growing up really abusive stepmom all that kind of stuff right and that's one thing I kind of want to talk about is this idea that, you know, especially being the oldest, you inherit so much of your parents' like baggage and issues and stuff, yes. right? Yep. Um, as you guys have <laughs> talked about a lot. Um, yes. But I don't know, it's so interesting to me because, you know, I, I love my dad. He's a great, great man. Um, just had no idea how to raise a kid. Um, 
Yep. And <laughs> that. So I want to talk a bit about that, but get a little ahead of myself. Anyways, the story starts there with my dad, um, who did not have the same tools and access to therapy and stuff that I did, right? Because that's one of the great things about the feeling company, right? Is you guys promote this idea of everyone deserves therapy and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and I was blessed to be able to to have that, right? When I was 13 years old, um, I started therapy after my parents split up and it, it changed my life. It made me the person I am now, right? Um, I had a phenomenal counselor who worked with me. It was exactly the person I needed in my life. And he gave me a lot of the tools I needed to mm-hmm. deal with my trauma and all that, right? With, like, I'm going to interrupt a little Feel bit. Feel free. <laughs> um, so you said that you started going to therapy when you were 13? Yep. Yeah? When your parents separated, do you feel like a big part of your therapy focused on, like, the divorce itself or, like, the other, like, abusive part that you said that you went through? Like, what was the Why did you go core? to therapy? Yeah. yeah. Why did you go to therapy? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, it was it was predominantly about my dad and our relationship. Um. I was as weird as it sounds. I was super supportive of the divorce. I was okay, like yeah. one of those weird little like kids who was just like like an old person in a kid's body type. Uh-huh, and so okay. I was like, I remember being like 10, 11, being like, "Mom, I, I really think you and Dad should get a divorce." And like, okay. which just sounds so I sad, but like, but no, it was it was one of those. It was a good thing, anyways. But no, the the therapy was mostly about my relationship with my dad, um, because like I said, he brought a lot of his own baggage and issues into raising me right um but yeah as i was saying that gave me a lot of the tools to kind of go through and examine and understand that trauma i went through right mm-hmm. um that didn't stop me from like messing up a lot though um for sure <laughs> I, sierra's heard a lot of stories about me in like high school and stuff and i was i made a lot of poor decisions um and frankly justified it by saying oh yeah my the way I was raised, like, and, and that kind of stuff. And I think it's oh, a natural thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that, right? They they blame their environment or their situation. For sure. You, we were talking about earlier how, like, I don't remember exactly how it came up, but uh, somebody said something about where they were. And you're like, well, they can change. They can be better. And I think it comes with, like, the idea. It's like, it doesn't exactly matter where it starts it's about where we're going and like you're saying like we so I don't know I have done that too like oh my childhood has caused this and I feel like it's so common to be able to I don't know do that like blame it on things when really we can move forward I don't know (laughs) yeah no for sure um like I said I think it's totally like instinctual and normal right um but I'm, I'm, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking about what I want, um, where I wanted to go from this. And I think to understand best the, what therapy really did for my life, um, yeah, it's good to understand like what I was doing with my life. Um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like some little little pothead kid, really. I um, went through high school and I just used anyone and anything I could to try to fill that void um, left by my childhood, right? And it, I mean, it. looking in the time, I thought I was like ball, a baller, right? I was like, <laughs> like girls and substance and all that. And it was, it was so interesting looking back because I had these tools from therapy. I've been doing therapy like since I was 13, um, but I wasn't happy still. Um, and 
I don't know. There was there was something missing. Um, and, can I, yeah, go ahead. Go can ahead. I ask you, like, how did you get into that then? Like, if were you looking for something to yeah, fill? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yeah, it came from definitely a need for validation, right? Okay. I was, like, growing up, I, nothing I did was good enough for my dad. It was impossible to get his approval um, and acceptance. So then, you know, as I grew up, I started looking for that in my peers, um, which led to this idea of I would basically do anything just to be validated, which mm-hmm. led to partying and all sorts of stuff. Um, but the point I, point I want to get to, I don't want to dwell too much on that because that's just, I mean. Oh, portion. No, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, yeah, it wasn't a great part of my life. But what changed, right, um, was how I used the tools I had gained in therapy, right? Um, and that correlated with my more like spiritual or religious um, growth as well. I'm, I mean, I'm a firm believer in um, in therapy, right? And I don't, I don't want to confess someone who's like, "Oh, you're depressed. Well, you should just pray harder." Like, no, that's not. Like, no, take 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 the medication you need. Get the help you need. But um, I'm not saying that. But for me, in my situation. Um, the thing that was really missing was that that spiritual connection, right? Oh, definitely. I think like they can go hand in hand 100%, especially like if you think of, this isn't just to say because of your situation, but like when you think of the AA program or like people that go into recovery, they always tell you find a higher power that you can look up to because if you don't have that, like that is a key ingredient to making it through like what I can't think of the word I'm I don't know overcoming yeah like to overcome like like, you can't you can't really like get anywhere in life without at least a belief in something I think Mm -hmm. even if like yeah (laughs) sorry yeah no you're exactly right that's in the AA program it's it you highlights it really well um you know, the first step in addiction recovery is, you know, admitting you have a problem. The second is basically being willing to subject or turn over your own will and be saying, look, like, I can't do this alone. I need the help of a higher power, right? Um, which is something in my own fashion I, I had to do. I was a lot more of an idiot about it, but um, that's what I had to do. <laughs> um, Backing up, though, to talking about therapy, um, I'm kind of stumbling over myself in the narrative I'm trying to tell here. But um, no, you're doing great. Yeah, no, (laughs) therapy. It's so interesting because in the world we live in right now, I feel like it's such a big thing of which is great. I love that there's this awareness of mental health and therapy and all that. But there's this idea being promoted, I feel like, where that's the answer. That's what you need. Right. It's if you love yourself then everything's okay. Like, I, I mean, I can't count on my hands the amount of like Instagram reels and stories I see every day where it's like focusing on me this year. It's I'm, once I learn to love myself, then it's over for all of y'all or stuff like that. Right. And I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but um, that's, I feel like that's just such, it's missing the mark on the purpose of therapy. Right. Because I went through it for years. Right. And I was able to really unpackage what happened to me, right? Because we, when we're kids, especially, we view our trauma, these events happen as such a vacuum, right? Like you talk to a kid and they're like, oh yeah, I mean, my dad hit me. And that's just kind of like, like end of the narrative, right? 
um, happens in just such an isolated vacuum. But as you grow up, you kind of realize, oh, that has a lot more impact than I thought. And therapy helps you really take that and figure out what that means. You know, for me, that meant understanding, oh, my dad had trauma that he was putting on me. And, oh, I wasn't some stupid kid who didn't deserve love and attention. I was just a kid. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and then also understanding what I was doing wrong um, as a result of these things, right? So therapy gave me these tools to really unpackage and understand what was happening to me and just see it for what it was, right? Which is great and all. Um, and I think that's the first step in being happy um, and being at peace with trauma and all that. And that's where I think therapy is the most important is giving you these tools and these understandings. Can I ask like specific of what kind of tools you were given? Like what things did your therapist like help you with and give you tools to, I don't know, learn about? Yeah, what for you could sure. Do? Yeah. So my, um, his name's Chris. Shout out Chris. If you ever hear this, he's I, such a good man. Great man. Um, he, because of the way I was raised, the biggest thing that we worked on um, is is connecting, right? It's because of the way that I was raised, I had zero desire to connect with anybody. I just wanted to kind of ball up in my little, put my walls up and all that, right? Um, and the big things he'd always tell me is like, look, like you can do that. I'm not, I can't force you not to. Here's the trajectory of your life if you do that. And he would, such a good teacher and just helping me through stories and through examples and just talking, right? I mean, if you've done therapy, you know how they trick you. That they're like, "How's your day?" And thirty minutes later, you're crying, right? Like, it's, <laughs> they're so they're so good at tricking you like that. Um, but he was just so good at helping me understand why I needed to connect um, with people, which is where my he- real healing eventually came from, um, and also just helping me understand, like, in a more I don't know, frontal lobe, just logistical aspect that what had happened to me wasn't, wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. And that this person I was portraying out of this hurt place also was not the person that I could be or should be or whatever, you know, adjective you want to throw in there. Um, I don't think really answers your question, but that's a lot no, of what I we focused on. Would, so I, it kind of brings a, I don't know if a bigger question, but for me and my experience with therapy, I feel like a lot of the tools that my therapist gave me kind of came from myself in a way by helping Mm -hmm. me recognize. And so I guess I'm just wondering if that's kind of like how your experience has been, like being able to figure it out by helping you recognize what was not normal. Oh, no, for sure. Therapists, like I said, are the most manipulative people <laughs> in the world i swear like um no he was just that's it was just question asking right he sits you down and you just ask questions and you kind of un- just unpackage things together right it's almost that person holding your hand and letting you you figure re- it out yourself and you're like yeah. whoa i should probably do this or right. maybe i should try this and you're like okay <laughs> right yeah exactly um they're just really there to help you down this path of healing um which is great. And it's exactly what I need. And like I said, I think it is the ideal first step in healing, right? I will say, and maybe this is just me, but 
I feel like a lot of people, they get done with therapy or they think they're going to go to therapy and then just kind of, all right, cool. I'm, Check. Yep. I'm done. good. I'm healed. I, everything's good. That's not the case. Like I said, I got, I was doing therapy, you know, most of my adolescent years and I was still, you know, doing some stupid stuff and I hadn't, and I was still using these external things to help myself feel happy. Right. Even though I had all these tools, I could sit down and have a conversation with someone and be and break down, you know, in a psychological aspect, how my trauma worked and how my, me, my dad's relationship affects me and affects my relationships and affects X, Y, Z. Right. And I could lay that out and I knew all that and it wasn't something like haunting me anymore, but I wasn't happy still. Um, and I think, like I said, that, having those tools opened me up to the place where that spiritual growth could come in and be that missing piece in me finding happiness. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask like, what do you feel like was still missing of that happiness? But it sounds like you're talking about like a spiritual connection in a way Yeah, that felt like a missing piece. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean this to say that like you can't be happy if you're not religious or anything like that. Right. Um, more what I'm implying is, like I said earlier, there's this big idea that I have an issue with where, like, this first step is yourself, right? Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, like, like Professor Jordan Peterson, who I love. Um, he always says, you know, make your bed before you try to fix the world, right? Which is great. And I think that's really good advice. But at the same time, there's this idea perpetrated throughout all sorts of religions, right? It's this is it's said in you know the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the I don't know Tao Te Ching. All they all have this idea, right, where you how you affect the outside world directly equates to your own happiness, right? Um, I'm going to talk about you know Christian religion because I mean I'm a Christian. You know, Jesus Christ put forth the first great commandment as love God and the second to love thy neighbor, right? He never said love thyself. Like that's, I think that would, if it was so important, he probably would have put it up there in the top two. Right. Um, In fact, that's not a commandment at all. In fact, there's no point in, you know, canonical Christian doctrine where loving yourself is necessary, but then you step back and you think, well, God wants us to be happy. And obviously like happiness equates loving yourself. Um, And I really had to look at that um, post my mission. Right. Um, and figure out what that meant. Um, and I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to back up a little bit because I can go back to where I was before where therapy, years of it, unhappy still. Um, and I find God, and no, actually I'll tell that story. I, it's a, it's a good story. So I was 18 years old at this point. Yeah. I was about halfway through my senior year of high school and I come from a part member family. Um, my stepdad who, um, stepped in and did such a great job um, and raised me in a lot of ways was an atheist when he married my mom mm-hmm. um, and my poor mama just not wanting to lose anyone else um, was pretty okay with us not being like going to church and stuff so I went through most of my adolescent years um, not active in any sort of religion and honestly having a really bad taste in my mouth for religion, um, which I think a lot of people who experience trauma at the hands of religious practitioners Mm -hmm. can attest to. Um, It kind of puts a bitter taste in your mouth. Like you're going to tell me X, Y, Z about 
Jesus Christ, but then you're going to do these awful things to me, right? So real bad taste in my mouth. Um, identified as being like agnostic, most likely. Um, just no, no interest at all in religion. And like I said, about halfway through my senior year and in high school, I ran cross country and track. Those are my loves. Those are my absolute, my entire life. Um, and my idea was I was going to go off to a different, far away from Utah as I could. Um, I was going to go to the East coast somewhere and run cross country and track in college and just kind of distance myself from all my problems. Right. Um, and that was the, that was the working plan mission was so far out of the realm of a possibility um like i said religion we were not super tight at the time and my saving grace in my story besides my besides therapy and like you know jesus christ would be my best friend corbin um who sierra sierra knows corbin corbin's awesome we love corbin (laughs) he's Um, so awesome but it's such a distinct memory there was this one night in this where i was just I'm girl proms and in high school, it's like the biggest, <laughs> it's a big it's deal. It's a big deal, right? Like, and I'm texting Corbin. I'm like, bro, this sucks. And he's texting me back and he has the audacity to say, well, I mean, you could pray about it. <laughs> the audacity. Um, How dare he? Yeah, no, really. I was, I was so mad at him. I was so upset. I would, I, drafted probably three like super sarcastic texts to him like, <laughs> like wow way to beat the most broken drum in history might as well give that a try right like, <laughs> um but remarkably enough for whatever reason um i did i kneeled down that night and i i really shook my fist at god i was like hey man like why why did i go through these like really awful things growing up right like i was just a kid but like like, what did I do? Like, you justify your existence to me and tell me how that makes sense, right? Where you're this almighty loving God and yet you let children like me go through a, this abuse and growing up my whole life thinking I was worthless and couldn't do anything right, you know? Um, and it was shocking. Uh, the the response I got, it was very distinct and palpable, right? Um, and... It, it was really neat. I, I'm kind of fiddling if I actually wanted to like talk about this, but um, no, I will. It, I, in that moment, right, I've had such this impression of love and this just thought, like very distinct voice in my head saying, you know, I was always there for you. I was watching out and you needed to experience that so that you could help other people. That's why. And yeah, um, I would like to say that after that, I was completely changed and fixed and never did anything wrong. But uh, no, that's, that's not what happened. Right? <laughs> I went to bed that night like, okay, I got some stuff to noodle on um, <laughs> and proceeded with life. And just through a lot of influence from Corbin and just a string of events, next thing you know, I was graduated. My mission papers were in. I knew I was going to go serve a mission in Portland, Oregon, right? And meet me. And meet Sierra, <laughs> right. And all sorts of people. And that interestingly enough was the first time i had felt really happy which is baffling because portland's like not a good place at all um if you've been there i grew up in a desert where it rained maybe once a year sunlight every day just great 
happy people, small town atmosphere. And next thing I knew I was in middle of, you know, the winter in a place where it's 300 days a year of rain. I didn't see the sun for like the first four months out there. Yep. And yep. Sierra <laughs> <Canada>. <laughs> this story. No, you, just, were, you didn't have a car. You just biked everywhere. Yeah, my, porch, my companion had hemorrhoids and we would just bike everywhere. And <laughs> <laughs> it was just like on paper, such miserable conditions. The people in Portland hate religion and they really let us know. And inexplicably, I was so happy, um, which ties in. The reason I say that, because um, it ties into what I was saying earlier, where in that moment, my focus was not loving myself. Mm-hmm. It was in loving my God and loving my neighbor, right? And like I said, I didn't unpackage that till after. But that's where my real happiness came from, I realized. And so, you know, fast forward the two years or whatever and happy as can be even though all sorts of stuff i mean like portland people are just the are just not nice people i mean there there's there's good ones but by and large they are not happy nice people um and yet happy as can be i come home right and as every return to this missionary will tell you um you get you get depressed like it's it's you're you have no idea what you're doing with your life anymore all the rugs ripped out from under you um i mean see anything to say about that so it's actually kind of interesting for me because a lot of people did have a lot of emotions coming home from a mission and it's hard for them my mission was probably the hardest time of my life and if i'm gonna be honest i think i did focus a little bit too much on myself than i should have or i focused outwards of other people because the happiest I was was when I wasn't thinking about myself and when I was serving others and when I was teaching them and like that brought me so much joy but when I got got caught up in other like missionaries around me or things like that and I started reflecting on myself like maybe they don't like me or all these things then I had a hard time so coming home from my mission Kylie was always super surprised and she thought like I was broken in a way because I didn't get put into like this depression I was like okay I'm living my life let me do this and I just like full force like sent myself going to work I started school I started a bunch of things and I personally like didn't have a hard time at first but that's because I think I was living at home but once I like moved out of home and everything things got hard but the transition was a lot different for me so but But for me it was like that like it was if you listen to my last episode it was like the hardest moment of my life and I was even thinking at the beginning when you started talking how you said everybody is focusing on their self-love and like you see on Instagram even those little charts if you see those that are like how to have self-love and it's like taking a bath and doing this and I always look at those too and I'm like those don't even help me. Like, I don't feel loved by myself doing that. But I was thinking when you were talking about that, how like my mission was the happiest moment of my life. And I thought it's because I literally gave everything I had to somebody else. Like it was all outward. And so when you brought that up about your mission, I was like, oh yes, that's like, we're feeling the same thing here. I'm going to call ourselves out because in like our I feel happy 
do you remember how we talked about how like loving yourself was so important and we like crack this code to like if you can love yourself <laughs> you can be happy i'm sitting here like parker probably hated that podcast just kidding i, I wasn't gonna say anything <laughs> don't worry i'm gonna Awkward. call this because i think there's like two different perspectives of it because i also find i when i'm not loving myself i can't be there for other people and that's what brings me joy or brings me more love so i have to like give to myself enough in a way to be able to give outwardly so that i can have that happiness so it comes different for everybody well and really i think that is just the whole point of our podcast is like we are not here to say you need to love yourself you need to not love yourself you need to do this you need to do that you need like we are not a self-help kind of podcast and we're not here to give advice and so like that's why i mean that's our little uh insert there to just listen for the story (laughs) you just gotta listen to the stories learn what you're supposed to like get out of it because i think everybody's gonna get something out of the podcast everyone's getting something different out of it and i think it comes kind of like what parker was saying like me and parker were talking about like therapists like i feel like they are more they're certified and everything me and kylie are not in any way like we don't have any knowledge but we're trying to i don't know just share stories and like let you decide yeah kind of like a therapist that's what my therapist told me we need me. to ask more questions and stop talking oh you're right let's get back to parker guys <laughs> no like that's where that's our, the difference between us and a therapist <laughs> oh no. yeah we like to talk <laughs> well, the, the beautiful thing about stories right um to kind of derail what i was going to say but human experience i was i don't remember who said it i I feel like once again it was probably jordan peterson um but so much of our human experience is shared right like i think he is the sort of statistic used it was somewhere like in the 70th percentile like it is so such a shared experience and stories are how we learn right he was talking about scripture when he was talking about this but he says you know scriptures aren't literally true in a lot of ways right like it's not a like genesis isn't a textbook on for against evolution it's a story of the creation and of experience right and if you think about you know this idea that stories are how we learn it's ancestrally how we've always learned um is stories of people before us stories of heroes and villains and all that and those even if they didn't something could not happen and be true was the point he was making but similarly when we share stories about ourselves, people connect with that, that authenticity and these experiences, you could never have had, you know, drug addicted parents, you could never have had abusive parents, you can never have been adopted, but still somewhere in these experiences, you will, no matter who you are, you will find things that mm-hmm. you connect with. So like, I, my point being, I think is totally fine just to share stories. And- yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> For sure. No, I love that. So I don't know where else you wanted to go, but you can continue your story. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, and yeah, when I was getting that was I came home, wasn't happy. And I just, I really derailed myself um, emotionally. I was just in a bad place. And this is where, um, you know, in therapy, they talk about like at different points in your life, you'll like reevaluate your life, right? Yeah. And so I was at one of these points where I was really reevaluating <laughs> my life, right? And just being like, well, what am I going to do? Because I thought I was happy when I was, you know, doing all these stupid things in high school and I was happy on my mission, 
but like I'm not happy now. So like, what is it? And that's where I really came to understand, at least for me, what the idea of self-love was, right? Um, and as you and Kylie were talking about your mission experiences, I think too, this really, you know, stipulates on your personality. Cause like for me, um, I'm a very conscientious person. I'm very driven by like, I need to do things in order to feel accomplished. Um, and I think people who aren't as conscientious, maybe this doesn't ring as true for them. And that's totally fine. We're all very different people in that way. Um, but like I was saying, I had to really think about what made me happy. And I realized, you know, it was that idea of not focusing on myself and helping people around me, which is probably sounds shocking to people who knew me pre my mission and on my mission. Cause I was so mean to people, even on the mission. Holy cow. I was such a mean person. Um, Sierra can probably attest and you probably heard <laughs> stories of stuff I would say to people, but regardless if I didn't always, you know, walk the walk, um, <laughs> helping people brought me this joy in it. What I came to realize in my earlier example of the two great commandments of love God and love thyself is if you're doing these two things, you can't not love yourself. We as humans are the harshest critics of ourselves, right? Anyone, anyone who's ever done anything like creative at all, people can tell you it looks great. Like saying this as like someone who loves art and like would consider myself like an artist to an extent, no one will ever criticize your work as harshly as you do. And we're the same mm -hmm. with every aspect of ourselves, right? Like we need evidence that we're like decent people for us to love ourselves. Like, and I, that's where it came for me is looking back, like, you know, when those voices come of, oh, you're not good enough, you're broken, you're this, you're that, your dad was right, whatever it may be. If I was focused on loving God and loving my neighbor in that metaphorical sense, if I was, if I could look to that and say, no, like, shut up, dude. Like, you're doing everything you're supposed to. You are, you know, dedicating X, you know, whatever to your higher power. You are actively trying to do good and help the world like no you're wrong you're not that person you keep telling yourself and so that that's when that's why i get up on my high horse about uh the whole like love your like if step one is love like find that self-love take care of yourself pamper yourself treat yourself all that like that just rings so hollow and untrue for me um like i said that could be different for other people but that's that's for me what i realized looking back on it, I was like re-examined my life at the age of 22, right? Um, I realized I had all these tools from therapy. I knew why and I knew the how of what had happened to me and how that was affecting me. And so like clinically, I can look at that. And now I have this new tool from spirituality that I can realize that not only am I like on paper, like, clinically and all that a good person but i can look at this obedience to these two great commandments and have this evidence of no i am, I am a good person and i need to shut up sometimes and just be okay with being a good person you know um i like that a lot because <clears throat> i don't know if uh, i get okay so like your story i'm hearing it and i really like it and it's like I can hear like you were saying the things that 
resonate with me and like I, that I can understand and like that I feel. And so you just saying that you need to be okay with being a good person. I've always heard my whole life, like it's okay not to be okay. And I like my whole life was thinking, okay, it's okay not to be okay. I, I, my dad was really good at t- teaching us that and it was so helpful and amazing. And then one day I was like, no, it's okay to be okay too. Like I don't need to be not okay all the time. I don't need to like set myself at this low standard and always be thinking I'm not okay. Like it's okay to be a good person. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to like put myself somewhere like at a higher level, I guess. And maybe that's not exactly what you were saying, but hearing your story is like, that's what resonated with me. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can remember. I need to remember that as well. And that's, what's like so powerful about it is that he shares his part of the story and you're like, and maybe that's not what you're talking about, but this is what I got out of it (laughs) because he doesn't know your story. He doesn't know part of you. And so we're going to, we know ourselves the best because we're with ourselves all the time. And so it's fascinating. Yeah. And that's not saying I wasn't listening to you. Oh no, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's yeah. Yeah. And Something I, I want I want to clarify too, you know, as humans, we have this really weird tendency to like put stuff in hierarchies, like something, if something is important, something else is either automatically more or less important than that thing, right? I'm not saying like spirituality is more important than therapy. Like, no, like, I'm not saying like, go out there and just like do humanitarian trips and like, <laughs> don't take your antidepressants. Like, I'm not saying that, like, they're all... It's, it's cyclical. It's not a hierarchy. It's do these things, do this mod podge of things in whatever order, priority, level you need. And that's what's going to work, right? I don't want someone's takeaway to be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to go to Africa and build schools instead of addressing my childhood trauma. Like, like <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that is my point. No, I love that. I think that you're giving like a whole new perspective to me and I really enjoy it. Like it was super interesting hearing all of that. Uh, before we like wrap up or anything, I have like a few questions such as, I don't remember when this came to me, but um, so you mentioned how like your father like kind of passed down trauma to you. Do you feel like therapy has helped you so that like you can help your future kids? Oh, like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, that's one of the greatest blessings um, to me is, you know, that's something that I, huge desire I have is to be a father. Um, yes. And like, I joke a lot and like, Sears probably heard me joke. Like I'll be like, holy crap, I'm going to beat my kids. Like, which is <laughs> I shouldn't joke about like at all. Um, but in, in all seriousness, no, I'm so grateful that I was able to go through therapy and I hope, and I believe that it will give me the tools to be a better father and it's given me the tools to improve my relationship with my father in ways that he couldn't improve his with his father um it's amazing to answer your question yes yes and then lastly you said you started going to therapy um when you were 13 do you continue like do you still go to therapy now were there breaks in between like quickly yeah for sure so when i started i was going like twice a month right um like clockwork and as i got older um it died out a bit. Even still, I probably check in with my therapist, Chris, um, every quarter or so. Just, awesome. It just really depends on how I'm feeling. If I need that pick-me-up, then he's there for me, and I can just talk, and he can bait me into 
figuring out what's wrong with me. So I love that. I think like I was talking to my friend a couple months ago, how like she said, well, should I just go to therapy and like do the, and we had this long conversation, like you're not going to go to therapy and then just cross it off your list and Mm -hmm. move on. Like this is something that you can go as often as you want or as little as you want. Cause she's like, I don't know if I want to commit to doing it like every week or if I have that many problems. And I'm like, you can literally choose when you go and get the things that you need to. Like, there's no harm in talking to somebody when you need it at any point that you need it. Yeah, life's disgusting. Life's messy. You're going to stumble into stuff that's going to trigger trauma that you didn't even know would trigger it. And it's not a, like you said, it's not check the box. It is a lifelong pursuit. And I can't, I can't sing the praises of it enough. So. Well, we love it and we appreciate so much you sharing your story and your thoughts and just your perspective. It definitely enlightened me in a lot of ways and I appreciate it. Of course. Glad I could do something, do something good. Yes, you did. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say for? No, I'm chilling. Uh, follow the feeling company. Listen to all the previous episodes. <laughs> They're great. Um, buy their stuff. I wear their hats like every day. He's wearing one, right now. wearing one right now. Oh yeah. Support the company. It's, it's a great, a great thing. Oh, that's so nice. You're so sweet. We We don't even have to end it ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Parker. And thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate and love you all so much. And we will see you next week.